Good morning, everyone. It's a great joy to be here with you this morning uh, to share worship with you. As John records the start of Jesus' ministry, uh, in chapter 4, he recounts uh, when Jesus met the woman at the well in Samaria. And uh, in order to get away from some rather embarrassing Uh, questions from Jesus. She dragged a red herring in front of him uh, to talk about worship. Uh, And as part of Jesus' response, this is what he said. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Let's pray together. Lord God, the wonders of your creation, the splendor of the heavens, the beauty of the earth, the order and richness of nature, all speak to us of your glory. The coming of your Son, the presence of your Spirit, the fellowship of your church, show us the marvel of your love. We worship and adore you, God of grace and glory. God of mercy, God of love, in humbleness of heart, we confess our sins We forget to love and serve you and wander from your ways. We are careless of your world and put its life in danger. We talk of our concern for others but fail to match our words with action. Heavenly Father, be with us in every experience of life. When we neglect you, Remind us of your presence. When we are frightened, give us courage. When we are tempted, give us power to resist. When we are anxious and worried, give us peace. When we are weary in service, give us energy and zeal. For the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first reading is from Isaiah, chapter 57, verses 14 to 19. Isaiah 57, starting at verse 14. The Lord says, Let my people return to me. Remove every obstacle from their path. Build the road and make it ready. I am the high and holy God who lives forever. I live in a high and holy place, but I also live with people who are humble and repentant so that I can restore their confidence and hope. I gave my people life, and I will not continue to accuse them or be angry with them forever. I was angry with them because of their sin and greed, and so I punished them and abandoned them. But they were stubborn and kept on going their own way. I have seen how they acted, but I will heal them. I will lead them and help them, and I will comfort those who mourn. I offer peace to all, both near and far. I will heal my people. And then from 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus, for in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another, so that there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, Some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptised into the name of Paul? I'm thankful that I did not baptise any of you except Crispus and Gaius, So no one can say that you were baptised into my name. Yes, I also baptised the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not remember if I baptised anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptise, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts Always be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. It's a great joy to be able to share worship with you today. I bring the warmest greetings and good wishes of your brothers and sisters in Christ who worship at West Glasgow New Church. The church was established as an independent church 25 years ago. And we meet in Clevedon Secondary School at 10am for an open service of communion where members can contribute a hymn or a reading or a prayer or a comment. And after coffee at 11, we have a a led family service at 11.30. The church also has the Summerfield Centre in Smith Street in White Inch where we have a drop-in cafe on Wednesday afternoons and Thursday mornings. And the centre is also used by White Inch Church of Scotland, the Stauris Foundation who help people suffering from various addictions, a gospel choir rehearses there, and the church has an art group which meets there also. As, of tho- as those of you who know me already are aware, you're being shortchanged this morning because I'm not a minister, uh, as the church does not have one. Uh, choosing to rely on members of the fellowship to preach most Sundays with occasionally a speaker invited to preach. We have seven elected elders who have overall responsibility for the church and they wisely delegate the majority of the day-to-day activities and organization 
to individuals and committees to look after things. So that's where I'm coming from. Coming here this morning is a special pleasure because it really brings me home, having been born and brought up in my early years just across the road in the flat above the Royal Bank at the corner of Observatory Road, though I think it was McKinley's the electricians in these days, not yesterday. I can remember the old Hillhead Borough Hall, the trams running up and down Byers Road, my father parking his car every night in the garage over in Vinicombe Street, attending parties in Cranworth House across the road, um, and being sent by my mother to buy apples at Malcolm Campbell, which was also in Byers Road there, but not if they cost more than a shilling a pound. That's 5p a pound. And the telegram boys hanging about the post office and parking their noisy motorbikes just outside here, if I remember. There have been three women in my life. My mother, who saw me as her little boy, needing to be told to eat my greens, having to run round clearing up after me, making sure I had my hair cut, which I hated, or went to the dentist, which was even worse, and standing over me to ensure that I did my homework or wrote the necessary thank you letters after birthdays or Christmas, which were always a terrible drudge. There's my wife, who sees me as a dashing, debonair, handsome, athletic, good-looking, humorous, articulate gentleman, ever ready to pander to her every whim and her knight in shining armor, or at least something like that. (laughs) And then there's my daughter, Rhoda, who sees an overweight old guy who is bald, unfit, and completely ignorant of modern music the club scene, and so out of touch he can't operate an iPad or iPhone, but can be useful for writing checks to allow her to visit India, Pakistan, or generally to live the student life in Dundee. Am I divided? No. There's just one of me. But you wouldn't think so if you asked these three women, each of whom knows me quite well. It just depends whose perspective you choose to accept. And each one is sure that their knowledge of me is correct because of their years of experience of me and the way I respond to them. Is Christ divided? No. He accepts and delights in those who worship in cathedrals with solemnity, reverence, and formality, who find that sort of approach helps them to appreciate God in all his splendor and who feel his nearness in surroundings that have caused Christian worship for hundreds of years. He loves those who worship with informal abandon and exuberance whether here or in Africa, with services that last for hours, and as no one is there at the stated start time, and who come and go as their other commitments allow, who will dance and sing and loudly comment on what the preacher is saying. And he really appreciates those who fall somewhere in between, whose worship is contemporary, 
has a degree of informality but seeks to generate a reverence and an engagement with the worshippers. What matters to God is what we heard in the opening call to worship, that he delights in the worship of those who come to him in spirit and truth. That is where you come with honesty, not pretending to be someone other than yourself, as you really are, warts and all, fully aware of what Jesus has done for you in restoring access to the Father and realizing that no matter how hard we try, we can only ever grasp a tiny fraction of the character and personality of God who is completely worthy of our praise. Worship is the active application of everyone to give of themselves fully to glorifying God and engaging their whole being in focusing on him. You come to worship to give of yourself, not to receive. If you come to get something out of worship, I think you come for the wrong reason. I agree and accept that where true worship occurs, it will often be a blessing, a challenge, or an encouragement. But that is a byproduct, not the purpose of worship. To God be the glory, great things he has done. We're all different, and that's the way God intended it. So it pleases God to enjoy the different styles of worship which different churches employ. It's part of the richness of his creation that we are all unique. And he would not have made us that way if he expected us all to conform to a single style. Be glad, be very glad, that my three children are not clones of me. What a dreadful prospect. In fact, I should be grateful if someone could enlighten me as to how three children, each of similar ability, born into the same household with the same parents, who seek to treat them even-handedly and exposed to the same school, neighborhood, and church, can turn out so completely different. It amazes me, but it is a reflection of the richness and diversity of God's creation. It's how he means it. To be. I was a little economical with the truth when I said there had been three women in my life. In fact, there have been two others. My sisters. Very close in age, three and a half years from oldest to youngest, we routinely engaged in what is referred to nowadays as sibling rivalry, uh, but we knew it simply as fighting. And we have the scars to prove it. You don't believe me? Four Observatory Road has a lovely long hall, and on one occasion, having been baited by one sister, I chased her down the hall at top speed. She had the good sense to dodge right into the kitchen at the last minute, but in my pent-up fury, I continued on through the glass door, and that's where the glass went in. I was very fortunate. The inevitable response from our parents was always, Grow up. 
And, you know, nowadays we're able to coexist in an amicable and friendly way. There are times when God looks at his family, the church, and must feel like shouting out, grow up. As someone who is expert at seeing the speck in another person's eye and is, of course, completely oblivious to the plank in my own eye, there are, to my mind, some obvious examples. Anyone who's met G.P.H. Mackay, Lord Mackay of Clashfern, will have been impressed by his graciousness and humility. But you will recall that he wished to pay his respects to an eminent colleague who had died, and this involved attending a Roman Catholic Mass. The ensuing infighting in the Free Presbyterian Church led to its split and the creation of the Associated Presbyterian Church. I can remember one godly minister I know scratching his name off the church notice board because he had felt compelled to leave the church, and he did it to save his brother, who was the session clerk, from having to do it. And like fighting children, there are wounds and scars that remain. We know Jesus' command in John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. All men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love, not like, not tolerate, not ignore, not put up with but love, because that is Jesus' way. And that starts within each church fellowship, because the chances are that there is someone who rubs you up the wrong way in this church, before we even start to consider our relationships with our brothers and sisters in other church fellowships. It's a part of the project which involves us becoming more Christ-like. It isn't easy, far from it, and it takes the help and encouragement of the indwelling Holy Spirit if we are to make progress. We, because this is an area in my life which needs an awful lot of work, and if I was to attempt it in my own strength, it would likely go the way of most of my New Year resolutions. And so I have to turn to God for his help This is the great reassurance that we have in our discipleship, that we do not journey alone as we seek and follow Jesus, but we have the promised Holy Spirit to remind us of the other promises which are given to us. Jesus' command is well known. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, says Jesus, to the very end of the age. Paul, in writing to the Romans in chapter 8, says, If God is for us, who can be against us? And in writing to the church in Corinth, that messed up group who got lots of things wrong 
in a city that had every type of moral failure on show, he encouraged them that they should always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Sometimes it's difficult to perceive progress or even believe that anything is being achieved within a church context. But that is when we look at things from our own perspective of time and position. It's in looking back that we often see God's hand at work in the day-to-day happenings in our life, though not always perceptible at the time. Each of us is called to play our part in his purposes, and it is a part which God specially designed just for you in the knowledge of the talents and abilities which he has given you, and consequently nobody else can do it as well as you can. This is the first time that I've worshipped with you, but a big part of the foundation of my Christian faith is due to this church, because there was, yes, another woman in my life. I'm one of Miss Ralston's boys. And she taught me in primary six and seven. And for these two years made sure I learnt the books of the Bible, Old and New Testament, the Lord's Prayer, the 23rd Psalm, the Beatitudes, Jesus' commission in Matthew, John 3, not just 16, but 14 to 17, and quite a few others. That was over 50 years ago but it has an enduring effect. And who knows, in another 50 years, looking back then, what the effects of your service for Jesus today will demonstrate. So it's a very special sort of homecoming for me to be here. You continue to have a significant part to play in God's plans. May you know his blessing as you seek to follow where Jesus leads. Amen. We come with our prayers for others. Let us all pray. Loving God, we have come together this morning, sharing the same faith, and yet we are all different. No two of us the same each one of us unique. We have different backgrounds and lifestyles, different temperaments and characters, different interests and ambitions, different feelings and experiences, and yet we are bound by the same goal and united by the same Lord. We praise you, that you come to us in individual ways, meeting particular needs and calling us to contrasting avenues of service, that we come to know you at different ages and through different traditions, that you meet us where we are, our faith not something learned by rote or inherited by birth, but our own, each of us having a story to tell, a story of life, 
a story of faith. We praise you for the fellowship we share in Christ, the mission he has given us, the love he has put in our hearts, the hope we have in common. Whatever may divide us, it is as nothing compared to everything that unites us in him. Loving God, help us to learn from one another, never closing our minds to the diversity of your church. Help us to grow in faith day by day, knowing your love and goodness for ourselves. And help us to share what you have done for us and to listen to all that you have done for others so that our faith may be deepened and our service enriched as we continue along our individual pathway of faith and on our journey together. Lord, we are very conscious that we live in a divided world, those who have and those who have not. We thank you for all that we enjoy, our homes, our food, our clothing, our modern appliances, our public amenities, our opportunities for education, our access to health care, and so much more. Loving God, hear our prayer for those who have not. We pray for those who have no homes, living as refugees in war-torn countries or living rough on our own streets. We pray for those who live in inadequate housing, the shacks and huts of shanty towns, or in bed and breakfast accommodation because there is nowhere else for them to go. We pray for those who have no food, their crops having failed, their economies burdened by debt, or their work not fairly rewarded. And so they queue hopefully for aid overseas or for supplies from food banks. We pray for those who have no access to education, to a health service or a welfare system, no one to turn to for help and support. Loving God, in the context of this world of ours, we are the haves, those who have been fortunate, those who enjoy plenty. Stir our hearts to respond to those who have not. Help us to be ready to say no to ourselves, that we may say yes to them. To sacrifice a little, that they may receive much. Grant that your people everywhere may be so filled with your Holy Spirit and so touched by the grace of Christ that they may share effectively in the work of your kingdom, bringing wholeness to broken people and to a broken world. 
we bring our prayers in Christ's name. Amen. Go in peace, and may the blessing of God the Father, the love of Jesus Christ his Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest, remain, and abide with you this day and forever.